You're listening to the Life Unlocked podcast brought to you by Game Quitters. Your hosts, James and Mattis, will be talking all things personal development without taking ourselves too seriously. We speak from personal experience and years of passion to bring you advice about everything from creativity and focus to quitting technology and lifting weights. With guest interviews and casual conversations, be sure to find something you enjoy, whether you're listening in your car or in the shower. Thanks for tuning in. In this episode of the Life and Log podcast, we're going to talk about how you can remain focused in an unfocused world that commands our undivided attention at every second. We'll talk digital minimalism, detoxing, deep work, and even meditation. Let's get started. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, we're here again. Uh, myself, James, and Matters. How are you doing? Good, good. Good afternoon. <laughs> good afternoon. Whereabouts are you at the moment? Well, I'm in the UK, but it's, you know, it's eight in the evening and the sun is still shining super, super oh, brightly. Yeah, it's getting, so it's getting that, way too bright, too late. Yeah, it doesn't feel like evening at all. It feels like it's no. maybe four in the afternoon. <laughs> it's very tricky. <laughs> yeah. What have you been up to this week? Um, just work. interesting? No, no, just work. My weekend is finally free after... I was flying home last week and the week before my girlfriend's family was here and the weekend before my family was here. So I had no free time whatsoever. So now I'm finally enjoying some, some days off. So I'm going to, you know, go to the coffee shop and read or do something productive for myself. So I'm really excited for that. <laughs> yeah. I was just about to ask you got any plans for your weekend off. Yeah. Well, that's my plan. It's like it's time for just myself. Coffee shop and reading. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. Straight. Pretty much. What about um, you? No, I'm uh, I'm going camping this weekend. Oh, that's right. Tell me about uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll be nice. Um, going to like the super remote spot on the west coast of Wales. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just with some family, but it'll be nice to get away. I've been working a lot with game quitters and doing all this stuff. It'll be nice to spend some time away from my laptop, which yeah, I'm it's definitely per- not taking. <laughs> it's perfect for practicing some digital minimalism. <laughs> hey, yeah. Speaking of which, uh, thanks for tuning into this episode. Um, You're probably here because you, like us, have experienced a lot of difficulties focusing on whether it's your work or even just conversations with your friends. You might have an urge to get out your phone or check your notifications or your emails while you're trying to work. And all of these things, they they build up and build up and well you might not actually realize the negative effects they're having on you and straight off the back of uh reading digital minimalism by cal newport we were inspired to read uh, produce this episode for you guys and just have a quick chat about what digital minimalism means to us how you can stay focused in a world that's so chaotic and always online and hopefully we can share a bit about how you can work more and work smarter. Uh, so I think to start things off, you've just mm-hmm. read this book by Cal Newport, Digital Minimalism. Yeah. Tell me what you think about that. And uh, cause all, all at the moment I've done is read some summaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to pick up the book as soon as my Kindle arrives next week on my birthday. Nice. But, uh, I'd love <laughs> to know your thoughts about it. 
Yeah, for for sure. So the digital minimalism book is, I think, it's kind of a follow up on Carl Newport's new on the other book called Deep Work, whereas Deep Work was about you know actually sitting down without distractions and producing something. Digital minimalism is addressing the, as you said, the very common problem, which is only getting worse as we're as more technology comes into our lives and more websites and more apps and more of everything. And this book was about. It was mostly about being intentional with your technology. It wasn't about not using technology at all. It wasn't about, you know, deleting your social media accounts. It wasn't about that. It was only about being very intentional. And the core tenet of the book was that, yes, social media is often useful. It often adds value to our lives. But first, in small doses. And second, not maybe this is not the best way we can add value to our lives. So, for example... I can either go and meet my friends in person for an hour every week, or I can talk to them on Facebook every day for for 10 minutes. Or you can guess which one of these modes will add more value to my life, but the one we're increasingly doing, the one we're increasingly choosing to do is the the online version, which, as I'm sure many of you know, is, is not usually the better one. And so Digital Minimalism, the book at least, was about kind of getting a sense of, of balance and a sense of in in oh sorry what was the word a sense of intention that's the word to our lives with digital media and yeah i think that's something that we um we want to stress is this isn't yes. about completely wiping out technology which is well, it's just impossible in 2019 oh, yes. like you you're going to have to be online but it's that word intentional and you really want to be intentional with your use of social media. Make sure you're using it effectively, as well as how you're spending your time on these digital platforms, whether it's your phone, your computer, or laptop, or tablet, whatever it might be. And we just want to build a sense of balance between real world and digital, making sure they don't negatively impact the other. Yeah, I agree. So you just, um, you finished this book mm-hmm. and kind of given, a, given us a quick uh, <laughs> taste of what it's about. Is there anything that you've implemented in your own life? Anything you've taken away? Yeah, the, I'm, I'm slowly in, incorporating most of the, of, the, of, the, of the advice. And the big part of the book is a 30-day detox, which to me right now it sounds daunting, but that's probably because it's the right thing to do. But the the thing I have done so far is structuring my evenings because I would I would come back home, you know, nine to five, come home at five, and then sometimes I would just sit on my computer and in a flash it would be 10, 11 in the afternoon, and I'll have to go to bed. So the first thing I did after reading the book was implementing a plan for my evenings. And right now it's usually I go home. I spend some time offline, then I give myself the permission to, you know, browse Reddit for maybe 30 minutes, do some kind of low effort activities, browse the social media, but then actually my timer goes off and I actually I go and set out to do some tasks which I've previously outlined for myself. And you know, it can be this podcast, it can be reading a book, it can be going to the gym, but it's something that I have structured before and that is kind of that it takes a bit more effort, but you know adds you more value and that has helped me you know come back in the in the evening with this 10 11 12 and actually have something 
I can I, I know what I've done in those couple hours. It's not that they just went past. Yeah. And what are you doing to make sure that you stick to it? You mentioned an alarm. Are you just doing that on your phone or with an app? Or? Yeah, just on my phone. And it's usually the same time. So I try and start doing some work around seven. That gives me some time to come home, some time to cook, you know, time to kind of prepare myself mentally. And also yeah. gives me some time to, you know, just browse the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, um, do you find it interesting you give yourself permission to use Reddit? Yeah. I think that's important because it's, if I didn't give myself this permission, if I just jumped straight into doing some work, I would, my, my, my self-control would suffer and it would not be sustainable. So I think it's important to give yourself some time, but also kind of specify what time are you giving yourself or like giving some kind of specific deadlines and making sure you don't go past these deadlines. And that can be done through, you know, blocking your access to the internet for some time. It can be something as simple as an alarm, but you, you want to have a sense of now is enough or now it's time to do something else. Right. So once you've embarked on this detox, <laughs> how do you decide what you fill the rest of your time with? Because I know that, for example, in Game Quitters, the big thing we uh, advocate for is the 90-day detox from gaming. And the biggest issue we have is people trying to fill their time with activities. And so you just say you've quit gaming, you've suddenly got all these new activities. A lot of them might include spending time on a computer. Um, and these could be, you might have just filled your time with mindlessly browsing on YouTube or Instagram, Twitter, whatever. So how do you then come up with more ideas to fill this time being taken up by uh, yeah. digital. Yeah, this is this is hard. And this is one of the things the book talked about as well. You want to, before you start detox, you want to know what your alternatives are. I think I was kind of lucky, well, lucky in this way, is that I, I knew what I wanted to do in the evenings. I just wasn't doing it. So for me, it was a matter of kind of formalizing the things I wanted to do more of and then actually doing them. And the big one was reading more books, and that was the, the, the obvious one for me. So just reading more. Another thing was going to the gym more consistently. That was also something I knew I wanted to do more of. I just wasn't very consistent at. And also it's spending time with friends, you know, doing some other work. It's I, I kind of knew what, what the things were for me, but it's something that's very important to, to nail down before you actually go on the detox because you know, then you can go on detox and you'll have some free time, but you will have no idea what to do with it. So it's, it's tricky, but it's very, it's very useful to do it before you go on detox. Yeah. So I think it could be a good idea to maybe list a few things that you might want to achieve. Uh, it could be learning a new language or an instrument. Yeah, or for sure. Programming or something, maybe drawing every day yeah. and commit to these, maybe even introduce them before you try the detox and so that's something I found helped myself. Instead of taking things away, I found it's helpful to add things initially mm -hmm. and then eventually phase out everything else. Um, but I imagine all this is covered inside the book. Yeah, um, for the most part. For the record, yeah. we're not sponsored by Cam. <laughs> uh, we just think <laughs> he's great. <laughs> yeah, he's, if you haven't checked out his books, you really should. Uh, hint, hint, Count Newport, happy to sponsor you. <laughs> So, so you said that you added new things before removing the old ones. How, how did that work out? Did you feel any kind of tension? Did you feel like you don't have enough time? Tell us more about that. Well, it's something 
Um, I've always had a lot of hobbies. Like I'm the kind of person that jumps into something really quick and does, does it super thoroughly. Like with programming or photography, I learn everything about it as quick as possible. I will spend like three weeks looking at every single review online before I buy a, a product <laughs> for like five quid. It's, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. And then after a few months, I just lose interest. <laughs> and so I've got all these hobbies and I feel like I don't have any time to do them. So what I tried to do, this is an experiment I did way back, I think in university actually, was that I, I got this uh, app or extension that gave me a warning whenever I opened up certain programs. Okay. It could have been Steam or YouTube or Facebook. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. This was like three, four years ago. I'm sure there's many of those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, you could learn to write one yourself. That's a good uh, <laughs> project for your 30-day detox. Yeah. <laughs> um, so whenever I'd open this, it would give me a chance to reflect for a minute and think, is this actually what I want to do right now? Um, how about I just play my guitar for half an hour? And then after that, I found that that urge to waste time gaming or go on Reddit, whatever I was doing at the time, that sort of faded into this uh, feeling of wanting to keep doing more. I think once you start doing something, it's a lot easier to carry on. Yeah, I agree. Uh, keeping momentum up... Um, pretty sure that was a law in physics we learned about uh, an object in motion stays in motion unless a force is active upon it or something like that yeah um again year since i did physics <laughs> and so i found once i started this uh, chain of hobbies it was a lot easier for me to add them in when i wanted to like go and take photographs for a couple of hours in the evening go to see the sunset or just when the light's getting nice in the evening, mm -hmm. uh, go for a run. And suddenly you find that your urge to play games or browse the internet just disappears. And yeah, I just added things in. I didn't say to myself, I'm going to quit the internet. Uh, I'm going to do a 30 day detox. I'm mm -hmm. going to do this or that. I thought, what can I, what do I want to be doing with my spare time? And why aren't I doing it? And how can I incorporate that into my routine? Now, that's something that worked quite well for me. Um, mm -hmm. It might not work the same for everyone. I know that when it came to quitting gaming, it was a lot easier for me to say, right, I'm quitting. I'm no longer a gamer. Mm -hmm. This is it. 90 days free. Yeah. Let's do this. Um, but for everyone, it might be different. But I think with everything that you try and do, you've got to remember this isn't something you can just incorporate and forget you have to have a pretty strong sense of discipline um you've got to like matt has said you've got to have you've got these alarms sure but how do you know you're going to stick to these alarms you could just snooze it and keep browsing exactly exactly and these apps are so easy to turn off but i think you know coming as you said you need discipline but i think also once you start seeing the benefits of this new activity it, you'll just be less likely to to do the other activities because whether it's whether it's gaming or if it is you know browsing the internet they feel they feel some kind of void inside they 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 serve and serve us in some way but if if we have different activities which serve us in the same ways we don't need to do the ones which we don't want to do 
So once you start seeing the, you know, the nice pictures from your photography or the product you've built in your programming career, you'll feel less and less likely to come back and play games because you're getting the same result just in a different way. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> I remember when I was, when I was learning, uh, web development, <clears throat> sorry. Yeah. And, uh, I absolutely hated it. I was doing, I was just going through CSS at the time. <laughs> and this is from someone in the past who hated programming. Uh, but I forced myself to learn. And eventually I got to this point where I was uh, changing some lines of code. And I started seeing like the actual web page change <laughs> in the way that I want, the way that I expected it to. Yeah. Like I made an intentional change in the code because I wanted to look differently. And oh my God, that <laughs> it was such a huge turning point for me. It's a good feeling like, when you get something that's working as you want it to yeah, work. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. Like I didn't think it would be that big, but it completely changed my, um, the way I thought about programming and coding at the time and gave them that motivation to keep going. Yeah, that was the reason why I started programming games because when I was playing them, it was nice and I would get the something out in the in the game world. But once I actually started making them, I could both influence the game world and also like play inside of it. So I got these two levels of kind of freedom of, of control of it, and that was <laughs> that was really really good. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and you mentioned your programming, mm -hmm. um, and you have to obviously stay focused for well are you the kind of person that stays focused for a few hours gets loads of work done or do you have to, do you dart your attention around between different things like how does your workflow kind of go well ideally it would be me sitting in a in a room for maybe three four hours and just you know creating some code but in my current job the the work is more social so it's it changes i need to coordinate with someone else it's it's a lot of communication with people it's a lot of on the job learning. So I would get my coworker and we together, we create something. I learn something from him. I teach something, some, some skill I know. So it's very social. It's very collaborative, but in my preferred way, when I go back home, I can just turn on my headphones, turn on some music and just, just type something out in two, three hours. So I think it depends yeah. on the, on the context, but I think for programming specifically, you need the, you need the larger chunk of time. You need some, you need to get into the flow where you can sit for a couple of hours and, you know, code something up, especially if you're, if you're doing something that's very, very programmatically difficult, not just, you know, not just kind of creating some, some code, which is, you know, lots of replication, that's not, not a lot of thinking, but if you do something that's kind of harder, that's, that's kind of more involved, you need the, need the focus, you need the, the, the free time and the, the free mental space to focus. Yeah. I think there's certain things like programming and, writing for example where you need these chunks of say three four hours to really get some solid uh work done mm -hmm. and you've read deep work mm -hmm. again another <laughs> carl newport book and one of the big things that he mentions is putting your phone out of the way uh, or getting all your notifications off and setting a time of technology free work mm -hmm. or at least as technology free as you can get if you're working on a computer obviously you can't do much else um but i think it's this idea that when you've got your phone next to you or you've got people talking to you it's 
pretty much the same thing. Like there's always something there to distract you every few minutes. Yeah. Even if your phone doesn't light up, which in my case is all the time, it it never lights up. (laughs) But I always want to check it just in case. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Maybe I didn't see the notification. Yeah, yeah. I've read somewhere that having your phone where you can see it is the equivalent of having uh, 10 less IQ points. I'm not sure this is true or this is accurate at all. But it feels to me, it feels similar. Like if I if I see my phone, I, I just I just reach for it automatically, and it just pulls your pulls your attention away. So that's something to keep in mind. <laughs> yeah, at least ten. <laughs> yeah, what was that? What was that tweet I saw the other day? Um, your smartphone is the adult marshmallow test that you fail two hundred and fifty times oh. a day or something. <laughs> I love that because it's so true. I have this. Uh, I got, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I turned on that. Uh, like the screen time health thing on my phone mm-hmm. to see how many times I unlock it and check it. And I think it took me about four days to disable it. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was too frustrating. Which is what I should have done. Yeah. yeah it, I should have done the opposite. I should have tried to reduce it, but man, it was shocking. There were days I'd open my phone about 120 times. Oh God. Yeah. I was, which, I was something, I had a similar app and a similar result. It, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> Yeah, so I think this this, um, this idea of taking your phone away um, instantly, I think, the next time people go and they try and uh, set themselves up for some deep work, uh, which we'll explore what that means in a sec, uh, I think it'll be a good idea for you to just put your phone like where you can't see it at all, yeah, behind you, up above, below, in a drawer, downstairs, whatever it might be. The further, the better. Yeah. And there's even studies about brain smog or something, but that's I think that's something for another episode, hmm. uh, like the electromagnetic radiation or something coming from your phone, which I'm pretty skeptical about. <laughs> something your grandma Honestly. would send to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's uh, <laughs> forwards from grandma. That's <laughs> like uh, not something I plan on looking into too much further. Yeah. But this idea of deep work, for those of you that haven't read Cal Newport's amazing book, is something that pretty much changed the entire way I go about doing work. And as someone who does a lot of, at least I did do a lot of writing, like content writing for blogs and articles. Uh, I do a lot of social media creation stuff. There's long periods where I have to do work for hours at a time. And this book completely changed my life. I don't know if it had that much of an effect on you but for me it was, it, it was helpful too yeah especially for studying that was when i when i read oh, it, yeah, and that's used how it, it you used it a lot in university oh yeah you? yeah and that, that's what i think that's where there's the most benefit because when you're doing i mean i don't do social media work so i can't really say about that but if i'm doing my work at work right now there is there are periods i have to focus but there's a lot of coordination and communication Whereas if you're studying, ideally, it's, well, not ideally, that's how I study. But for me, it's just me and the book or me and the homework assignment. There's there's very little other input. So it's the perfect opportunity to focus and just to do some deep work. And I noticed that last year, when I when, once I got my new smartphone, it was me, the, the, the homework problem, and the smartphone. And I think it took me maybe twice twice the time to do any homework assignment just since 
the phone was right there. <laughs> so it's, I think it's, it's really useful to, to do some deep work and to leave your phone somewhere else. Yeah. So I think one of the big things he said in deep work, uh, there's, there's, um, it's hard to explain all of the, uh, steps cause he goes into so much detail. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty much split into five key components. Uh, for those of you who haven't looked into a thing called the X effect, highly recommend that. Uh, the idea, simple idea is that you have a, a calendar with each day, every day you do something, you put an X through it and you get to see this chain of X's, uh, slowly form as you start doing your habit more and more. And I haven't really, this isn't really something I do much myself mainly because I don't want to keep buying calendars <laughs> <laughs> and I've got so many habits that I want to just do all of them on different calendars. Yeah. <laughs> like I'd need like 10 calendars, one for each <laughs> habit and it's just not the way for me to do it. I think it's but useful when you're starting out, you know, you're doing, yeah. when you're going from zero to one habit, that's when it's the most useful. Yeah. And there's, there's that's, a subreddit online, which people it's called the X effect and people actually post their, their, kind of index cards with X's on them and it seems to work for some people. So it's definitely something worth trying out. Oh yeah. There's definitely something psychological in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I would say you can use an app, but that kind of defeats the purpose uh. of what we're trying to do. <laughs> so try and steer clear of that. Yeah. Paper is uh, underrated these days. It's very underrated. Yeah. Uh, the next big thing is to have clearly defined times for deep work. So, for example, you might say, I'm going to start at 9 a.m. I'm going to go until 10 a.m. And I'm going to spend the first 30 minutes or first 10 minutes planning an article. If I take my writing, for example, Mm -hmm. I'll spend the next 30 minutes writing as much as possible without editing. And then I'll go back through and edit it and get pictures and whatever for the last 20 minutes. And it's the best thing to do is to make sure that you have clearly defined structure. You don't Mm -hmm. want to just be going into it um, just blind. You want to make sure you know what you're doing for the session, exactly how you're spending the few hours that you're going to be doing deep work. And I think, what's he call it? Is it the box? The box? Um, The way that he structures his day with the... uh, Is it the box method? It's something like that. I'm trying to remember, but I don't know. Um, it's also used by some famous entrepreneurs. Maybe Tim Forrest. Forrest. Tim Ferriss. Um, What's the box method? I don't know about it. Yeah, it's kind of hard to explain without pictures. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I can I can try and draw it on the podcast, but I don't know if it would be uh, too effective. <laughs> Um, the thing I yeah. do, the thing I do personally is I just set a schedule in the morning on the index card again, and I plan out my waking hours. And then I don't, you know, I don't use this as like a strict, strict thing because you know life's changed, things, things happen, things get rearranged. But you know, whenever I I have something and I have some free time, I can look at my schedule and I say, okay, this is what I planned in the morning to do the day at this time, so I don't have to think about it. I can actually just jump into the schedule and just start working. So that's something yeah, I find I useful. I think it's a great idea to have a schedule for the day, but I'm just more talking about 
uh, when you sit, sit down to do deep work, just have a clear idea of what you're going to be doing in that hour oh, or yeah, two. Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, if you know you can uh, like restrict yourself to these next two hours of work, mm-hmm. you should know what you're going to be doing. And if you complete one task, are you just going to go and browse Reddit as a reward or are you going <laughs> to get straight started with the next task? <laughs> You should go with option B. Well, sounds like you saw me work sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I just did 45 minutes of deep work. I can go and read it. I mean, that's, that's a strategy as well, but you yeah, have to yeah. keep the Reddit for not to take as long as the actual work session. That's, that's the tricky yeah. part. <laughs> yeah. The thing with deep work is it's like a muscle. Um, you've got to slowly build up the time that you spend doing it. You can't expect to do more the, than, say, an hour to start with and i think i think um, four hours was the maximum that's even yeah. possible for a day of truly truly deep work and yeah. yeah that's that's one thing i kind of learned recently is like you you want to work every day or at least most of the days for a couple of hours but then you know not spend 16 hours working every day because that's you just get slower and you just get less productive but really just it's not like a sprinting it's, it's kind of like a marathon you, you put in some time every day and that's how you get the most benefit because you get to use your four or let's say five, six, seven productive hours for the day. And then you also get to relax. So that was the method I used for, for studying and that was really useful. Yeah, I think a lot of people, uh, they, they complain so much that they're busy all the time, but the work that they're actually doing isn't very effective. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're doing, what's it called, busy work or something like that. Or just not, not deep work, just kind of shallow work. Yeah, and it can take you twice as long. Just that's how that's my example with my homework. It took me twice as long, and I'm sure it wasn't as good as if I just spent an hour really focused on it and got it done, and then went to you know do something else for half an hour. But since yeah. it was kind of off and on, and it was a lot of multitasking involved, it took longer, and I'm fairly sure it was lower quality as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you you know when you get into that flow state, mm-hmm. like your work is such higher quality. And it's so much easier to create and produce content, whatever it might be, whether mm-hmm. you're studying or writing, programming, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But once you get that schedule structured out, be strict about it. Um, so turn off your phone or turn off the internet, whatever it is, and just be strict about those two hours. I think what he says in the book is to put a timer on screen or an alarm clock or stopwatch or something. And it's always counting down. It's always in your frame of reference. That's the Pomodoro method, or is that something different? No, that's um, this is just for deep work. You can oh, do just... it. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I used to, because I had so many windows open on my two monitors, <laughs> a little corner it would be dedicated to a timer. Oh, really? <laughs> counting down two hours, and I'd see that all the time. It's okay, like, my, just I might 30 try minutes that too. Left. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds good. What was the reason yeah, behind that? I... I don't know. It just gives you a sense of urgency. Like yeah. I work, I I work that, really yeah. well to deadlines. Okay. Um, as someone who gets everything done last minute, uh, if there's a deadline, I will get it done. <laughs> yeah. You see the ticking down. It's like, okay, I only have 30 minutes left. I better get it done now. Yeah. Or else the world is going to blow up if I don't do this. I had a friend who found a boyfriend and they agreed to kind of meet every night at, let's say 8 p.m. And so she said that she, she was so productive because she had it like at 8 p.m. every day. And it was something she knew she wasn't going to work after it. So she made sure she got everything done before. So that she could enjoy herself and spend some time together. 
So that's yeah. that's daily deadline, which I think could be useful for some people as well. And I do the yeah, same okay. thing. I don't, you know, I these days I don't work past let's say ten in the afternoon, which is maybe a bit extreme because you know ten is quite late. But it's just giving yourself some deadline or something where you know you can relax afterwards, which kind of makes yeah. you makes it more urgent as well. Yeah, I think the idea of accountability is really underrated. Um, like if you've got someone in real life that's actually holding you accountable to completing tasks or going somewhere. I think that's why personal trainers are so popular because mm-hmm. uh, it's so much easier if you've got someone telling you like get your ass to the gym right now <laughs> I never I never found out accountability work for me but I think most of the people I did with we weren't very strict about it so I would say yeah. to my friend like hey I'll message you at 9am and otherwise you know there will be some consequences I'll message him at 9.30, like, hey, I'm still not there. And he would just not say anything. He'd be like, oh, okay, that's fine with me. I was like, that's yeah. not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to give me some some stakes, some punishment. But he was just like, no, it's fine with me. So I had to find a new partner <laughs> because that wasn't very effective. Yeah, that's not what you want. Like, if I'm your accountability partner, I will go in hard. Mm. Like, <laughs> I will come over to your house. I will fly, I will fly to Slovakia. <laughs> Come Make sure I get house. to get to do some work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so the next thing that he uh, recommends you do is is this idea of what's uh, measured is uh, what, what's the phrase again? I think what gets measured gets managed. That's it. Thank you. That's the famous one. <laughs> Complete mind blank. I'm actually doing brain training at the moment on like on uh on this app okay <laughs> like 10 minutes a day because my memory is terrible yeah same. <laughs> <laughs> um so what's measured gets managed and this is basically you've got to choose some kind of metric that's relevant to your work um it could be for example words per minute or words per 15 minutes or it could be lines of code or a certain amount of your artwork done or portfolio or whatever it might be your homework problems solved yeah pages read Mm -hmm. and just keep an eye on keep a tally of what you're doing and over time you can slowly start to see it grow as you get better at deep work and this isn't something that i tend to do as much because my work was so erratic Mm -hmm. i could be doing one thing one day and another thing like completely different another day yeah it just didn't work for me it might have been might have worked well for you uh, when you're studying yeah that was very useful i think the more kind of rigid or kind of measurable the work itself is the better i can see it not being very effective for you know doing different things or doing social media tasks because these are i guess they're less you know you can you can't measure them as well yeah it's like it's one or zero mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's like it's done or it isn't yeah but for for studying it works really well for example yeah. like i have pages in a textbook i have to read and like go through and it's maybe may, they might not be consistent maybe there's a problem there's one problem on one page there's five of them on different page but you know you get to you get to pick a metric which works well and then you can kind of go from there and really pick one which works and then just measure that thing yeah uh, it's, it's similar to the x effect uh, you see it grow over time mm-hmm. and as someone who spends half their day looking at analytic uh, <laughs> stats for social media pages it is it's kind of addictive 
seeing <laughs> seeing those impressions and engagements go up. I think Nietzsche once said that joy is the sight of your power increasing, and that really spoke to me because that's that's so true, and that's one of the reasons why I played games for so long. I would usually play games with ratings in them or some kind of um, yeah. some kind of rating system, for example, League of Legends, and I would, I would just obsess about the rank. I wouldn't obsess about my skills or about about my enjoyment, I was just obsessing about that number. I remember I played when there was the, the evil number back in, I think, yeah, 2011 yeah, yeah. or something. And I was just obsessed about how, how large the number was. And if it was larger than my friend's number, it was it was crazy. But it was so effective at keeping me engaged, even though I, I hated playing the game because it was so miserable <laughs> playing it. But I just kept playing it because the number was going up. And that was, yeah. that was super addictive. <laughs> That's really interesting. Because I, I never, I hated doing like ranked stuff in gaming really even though i love seeing the numbers go up yeah i don't know what it was i think i more prefer seeing for example um my wealth or my skills or my experience mm -hmm. going up as opposed to just a rank i think it's because i didn't want to talk to people yeah <laughs> so I, I, I steered clear of competitive you, you pick games. a different metric and you just measure that one yeah <laughs> but i think there's the metrics are in every game these days they're, they're everywhere and that's one oh, of yeah. the reasons i think we can learn from games not come make systems which kind of use these measurements because they are they work for they work for a reason and they're there for a reason oh yeah they're spending all this money to research what keeps you playing <laughs> even if they deny it flat out in the <laughs> parliament um but it's it's kind of crazy the things that you can find out about like some games their statistics are kind of ridiculous what kind uh, of statistics what, what do you mean is it Borderlands or something, or maybe The Witcher or some RPG games? Mm -hmm. It tells you. Oh, it's um, I think Kingdom Deliver, uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance or something. Okay, but they they have these really obscure metrics, like number of donkeys hit with an arrow or something <laughs> like that it's like <laughs> and people will just try and get this number up oh my god i haven't heard of that <laughs> like priests uh yeah i'm just trying i'm making things oh, up. oh okay but, i like, thought i thought you're reading it off a list or something <laughs> oh, no, i mean i guarantee there's a game out there yeah i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> it's like number of arrows um number of people hitting the eyeball with a bow <laughs> online in team deathmatch or something like right, that. right yeah very specific Yeah, and people love that stuff, me and myself included. <laughs> I never, uh, but I, never I think, <laughs> yeah, and also tying into statistics, the big one is playtime, and that relates back to deep work. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. the final step is to measure how many hours of deep work you're doing per week. Mm -hmm. uh, just keep a tally after you've done an hour or two every day, add it up at the end of the week, compare it to each week before, and again, watch it grow over time. Because you have to remember, like we said earlier, it's a muscle. You're not going to be any good at this to start with. <laughs> um, people who have tried meditation or doing 50 push-ups or whatever, it is tough at the start. Like, it's really tough. And you might not even be able to do more than half an hour a day. Uh, even not even that. You might not even be able to do it every day. Mm -hmm. It's pretty draining. Um, like, really focused work is quite draining. Yeah especially creatively if um i know when i was writing if i was doing two hours of writing i couldn't do a single bit of creative work after that i had to go to the gym i had to just mindlessly play things on the guitar or 
go for a walk or something like that. I couldn't put any more brain power into creating stuff. But I think that's a good thing because you know you did something, you know you've used your brain. I think the worst situation is when you get to the end of the day and you still feel like there's something left inside. You still feel like, okay, I could have done this because that means like you could have done more deep work, I think. Oh, definitely, yeah. It's it's not it's definitely not a negative, mm-hmm. but as someone who gets frustrated when they can't do anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, um, pretty big. I don't know if it comes into the perfectionist umbrella. Could be, yeah. But um, I like pushing myself as hard as I can. Mm-hmm. And if I can't do it, then it's just frustrating to me. But at the same it's time, like, like, you wouldn't expect to be in the gym for five, six hours and just be able to, you know, pump out the weights every every single second. So, I, oh, no, no. yeah, I guess I think, there's some analogies yeah. there. <laughs> I think physically exhausting yourself is different to mentally exhausting yourself. Really? I, I found it quite similar. Well, I know that if I do like 10 sets of 10 reps on the bench press, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to do any more bench pressing after that. <laughs> but I'm also not going to stay in the gym and do every single body part mm-hmm. to spend like six hours. Yeah. Whereas if I've just written a great article in a couple of hours, I then want to take a break and then do another one in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. But I can't. Also, it's, it's like a, for it's for a whole day. I thought it's for a couple of hours. No, no, it's oh, like... Oh, okay, yeah. I can see that being frustrating, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just have to do something completely different. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I might be able to do it later in the evening, but I don't really want to spend my entire evening doing deep work because it huh. keeps you alert and it's... Yeah, <laughs> and you can sleep. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about you, but if I'm, I'm pretty productive in the evening, mm-hmm. but if I spend all my work, all my evening working i'm just gonna be laying in bed yeah not being able to sleep yeah that sounds familiar (laughs) yeah i think that's a pretty big thing that um is helpful to a lot of people is having an evening routine where you wind down from technology oh yeah definitely that's something i I, i'm working on myself as well just since you know that's the thing i i kind of said like two weeks ago i would i would come home get on the computer i'll get off the computer at 11 and be like, oh, where did the time go? And then I'll try and go to sleep, but it, it doesn't work that way. So the, the evening routine is, is super important. Do you do you yeah. have one? Um, Not at the moment. Um, I will when I end up moving out to Thailand mm-hmm. and I've got a lot more freedom yeah. to what I can do. I mean, ideally, I just turn off electronics at 8, do some journaling, some reading, mm-hmm. maybe meditation or go for a walk or... Um, just, just kind of winding down. Just anything, really. <laughs> yeah, because I, I love. I mean, I, I hate it, but I love waking up in the mornings really mm-hmm. early. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I get so much work done in that in that time from like six till nine a.m. I'm so damn productive. It's unreal. Because <laughs> no one but else is I, up. <laughs> yeah, if I sleep until eight or nine p.m. or sorry, nine, <laughs> eight or nine a.m. Uh, I will be, I won't get a single bit of work done. Yeah. The whole day just feels different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And without that evening routine, I then, I don't get the sleep I need. I wake up late and it just has a domino effect. Yeah. Cause then I'm not as tired that day cause I haven't got anything oh, done. Yeah. <laughs> and then my, I stay up later and it's the trouble I have at the moment. Actually, um, I'm waking up late, not getting my work done. I'm staying in bed till like midnight which is late for me mm-hmm. um and waking up at eight yeah 9 p- eight or nine a.m 
and it's oh, it's so bad. It's like a spiral in a way. Yeah, but the, really I guess is. the good thing is it works in both ways. It's not just the negative one, but then you know you manage one day to go to bed early, then you wake up early, and you, you can kind of kickstart the, the opposite spiral. And that, yeah. That's the way I think about it. But it goes both ways. But as long as you kind of get to a good point, get to a good start, then you can start the positive spiral and get the whole thing going. <laughs> yeah, I think the day that I decide to get up at six, go to the gym, and then do work is the day that I snap out of it. Yeah, yeah. It's just building up the motivation to do that. <laughs> like it's not easy. <laughs> that's um, what you said with, but, the, with the Newton's laws of motion. Like once you once yeah. you get into motion, that's it's it's getting to that point. That's that's the hard part. But once you're in there, yeah, it's just it's so much easier. Yeah, it's another law of motion. Actually, um, <laughs> an object remains at rest until the force acts upon it. And I think that's exactly the same as people. Yeah, like I, if you stay doing what you're doing. Uh, you got bad routines, you're not sleeping, all this stuff, you're unhappy. Unless some big force pushes you to do something, you're not going to do anything. Like, I know for a fact, if I don't change my routine, I'm just going to keep waking up late mm-hmm. until I fly to Thailand <laughs> and I have to change everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a pretty big wake-up call. Oh, yeah. That was the reason why I stopped playing games initially. I, I went through a breakup, which kind of made me realize, like, oh, wait, Actually, this is something I have a problem with, and I have to look at. It. <laughs> so ultimately, it was—I mean, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't very—it wasn't very fun. But ultimately, it was—it led to something which I can think is a good thing in the end. Like it kind of made me look at myself honestly, yeah. which I wasn't doing then, because I, I kind of knew you, can, you always kind of know you have a problem or you, there's something you need to change, but you don't—you yeah. don't act on it unless something happens. Yeah, I think. A lot of people, I seem to remember reading once that people don't change unless they encounter some kind of large-scale trauma, Yeah. whether it's emotional, physical, like, I know it's a terrible subject, but you see people, um, maybe near-death experiences, Mm -hmm. losing limbs, losing family members, and this inspires them to do something different. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not to say that you have to have that happen because obviously no one wants that to happen and it's a tragic thing to happen yeah but when i came back from my expedition in canada i had lost my job i'd lost my flat i hadn't been paid i was in debt and all of a sudden i was like hang on i've got to do something mm-hmm. and it's these these experiences that push us into doing something more and changing who we are and going on this journey of personal development self-improvement and all that good stuff <laughs> the endless spiral of never feeling good enough <laughs> <laughs> so the lesson is go through a tragedy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no i actually think the trick is actually being able to change without this tragedy because then yeah then you can do anything <laughs> yeah i think it's just an initial thing um like people sometimes find this motivation after this has happened to them. if they've never experienced anything before in terms of personal development, I think sometimes these big events can kind of spur you on to do something more. And then once that comes, uh, you might want to, you don't really want to rely on <laughs> having a tragic yeah. event happening. Yeah. Every year. <laughs> That's not sustainable, so, is it? <laughs> none. Hopefully not. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think going back to like routines and all that stuff, one thing I wanted to touch on just quickly before we finish up mm-hmm. is this idea of meditation, mm-hmm. mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of taking it back to digital minimalism and focus. 
I think meditation is probably the single best thing that you can do to build uh, focus or attention, mindfulness, all this stuff. I don't know if you've 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 um, dabbled in it before, haven't you? Yeah, I keep a daily habit, which is something that I'm very very happy to. It's you know, it's I have better days, I have worse days, but this is something I actually tracked last year, and that's how I made sure it was a daily habit because I never wanted to. I, I tracked the minutes of meditation. And I never wanted to see the zero at the end of the day. So even if it was midnight and there was a zero still, I would make sure we had at least 15, 20 minutes because that zero was, that wasn't my friend. And I think, <laughs> I think the nice thing about meditation is at least when you're beginning is that the harder it is, the more, you know, it's working. I had days yeah. when I would wake up in the morning, go and meditate and I would just struggle. It was the hardest thing. I couldn't stay put. I had to physically like make put myself in the shape in, in the in the posture and just keep meditating but then i would wake up like i would get up and go on my day and it, everything was just so much easier because the meditation was the hardest thing i've done th- today and then conversely i would have an easy meditation it would be like i would be just coasting and then something would happen i would just get super super angry or super sad <laughs> or something and it was it was always the other thing so whenever and meditation is hard in the morning these days i kind of know like okay this is a good sign this is it means that they will be easier and it, and it generally is so if there's anyone who, who's thinking about meditation that thinks it's it's hard and, and it is hard but if there's there's this is like one piece of consolation i can give that the harder it is the actually the better it is <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get started with it did you use apps or just look it up online. Um, I, I started before the apps, meditation apps were a thing, which I'm kind of grateful for because I, I kind of to... I can say that I'm the <laughs> I'm the I'm the old you know, I did it the old way. But if you're just starting out, there's no you know, I would use an app today because there's there's so many of them and they're so good. There's yeah, Insight Timer, um, there's which is the big one, Headspace is a big Headspace. one. Headspace. Sam Harris has one. Yeah, I, th- I think they're great. I think if I was starting now, I would use one. But since I started yeah. before they were a thing, I, I keep kind of like an old school mindset that, you know, I don't use them much, but they're, they're super useful. <laughs> yeah. And for anyone that is kind of confused about meditation, it's literally just thinking about nothing, but in a way that's, so you, you still think about things, but you don't let yourself be affected by them, right? Yeah. Things still like come you, to you, but you don't, yeah. you don't hold to them you kind of let them come and go as, as they as they want yeah i used to like to think of it as when i was sitting down i'd imagine myself uh, sitting in this say in the middle of a desert or something mm. or on a beach and all these thoughts that were real things i'd imagine them coming to me in that space and i could just watch as they fly past me they're almost like clouds mm, it's very cool and like you will look at the cloud and you see it fly past you and it's done it's gone <laughs> and it's definitely not easy um it's not something i've done for a while uh it's at least for a few months but it's something i want to bring back into my morning routine i'm just terrible at it uh, <laughs> terrible at morning routines that is oh i see yeah <laughs> um not meditation but uh the whole sticking to routine I'm the other way. For me, it's the evenings that I, I can't nail down. The mornings are fine, but the evenings are like, oh, no. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so it's, um, I think meditation, if you can do it for, say, 30 days, you'll notice such a huge difference uh, in your focus, your clarity, and just being 
at peace with yourself and your thoughts and at least they're the benefits i've gotten from it yeah i think also having a sense of control and a sense of yeah. choosing your response to different things different people different conversations different feelings i think that the, yeah well that's the, control that's the thing cool. with meditation yeah. isn't it you're it's literally about you being in control well it's, that's all it is i think it's about you not being in control of your oh, really? mind well because you know you, you can't stop your thinking the thinking will come and go but if you if you're aware of it if you're if you kind of let it come and go you don't it doesn't control you so no, but you're in control of how you react yeah but i i think there's kind of like there's a trick to it where you you're in control <laughs> by not being controlled by it's it's, it's a, a tricky good, thing yeah. <laughs> that's a good a good medium uh i think that's a good uh good way of looking at it you're in control by relinquishing control yeah i think that that's what vision means to me personally so that's, yeah. that's how i look at it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think that's uh i think that's all we've got time for to chat about today i think it's been a good episode yeah it was really good <laughs> uh, we touched on a lot of t- topics um hopefully giving you some ideas of how you can gain more focus and clarity in a world that's taking all of it from you <laughs> is demanding all your attention all your focus all the time whether it's through social media or through just general browsing on the internet through youtube reddit whatever it is <laughs> uh, check out digital minimalism and this idea of minimalism i think a lot of it can apply to the digital world whether you read cal newport's book or not it doesn't doesn't bother me you should <laughs> But you should, yeah, you should check out all of his work because he's fantastic, especially if you're in this space of uh, programming or writing or content creation, whatever it is. I think you'll get a huge amount of uh, benefits from deep work, especially. And I think everyone can benefit from using their phone less. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) A lot of people in Game Critters struggle with building friendships and building social relationships outside of gaming. So I think gaming fulfills a lot of our social needs. Mm-hmm. So one thing that you can expect to come from spending more time present in the real world is building these deeper connections with people and spending more time enjoying yourself with friends instead of sitting in your room uh, chatting to people on League of Legends or <laughs> whatever it might be. Listening to them telling you to kill yourself. Yeah, <laughs> That's pretty much, fun. yeah. <laughs> That's every game, I think. <laughs> Most of yeah. them, yeah, they struggle with it. <laughs> Something about human nature, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a special kind of person uh, playing League of Legends. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, anything else you want to add, Mattis, Or No, I think I think being intentional, that's one thing we should probably emphasize again. Like, it's It's okay to do you know, to spend time on social media, to play games, to do anything. The key is knowing why you do it and being intentional about it because that's that's what gives you kind of a sense of control and that's what gives you a space to change things if they're not they're working out for you. So be intentional about how you spend your time and, you know, go from there. <laughs> I think that's a great closing thought. But yeah, thanks for tuning in again. And uh We'll see you in the next episode. All right. Cheers, guys. Bye. Peace.